With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, all right. It's innate for us to compare to contrast. It's probably more inane. Regardless, indulge our inane side for half an hour. On this magnificent Wednesday, I am Jake, as always from Wassif Football. Thank you very, 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 very much for donating to our Patreon page, for supporting the channel, for listening. This is the 21st episode of the Headhead Podcast, West Germany of 1974, Germany of 2014. Strap yourselves in, let's get stuck in. And of course, we're on Patreon five days a week, written content, football manager stuff on Mailbag even on a Thursday, weekly football podcast Friday, weekly football column on a Monday, head to head Wednesday, great games Tuesday and for other podcasty goodness, a sports social podcast network. We'll be back. We'll be back in January, don't worry, with the third season of the Barclays covering the 1994-95 season. Will Man United win it again? Three in a row? Who knows? And uh, we'll also be there every Wednesday with the Noise Nostalgia podcast as well. So we're detailing West Germany of 1974 versus Germany of 2014. I'll try my hardest to say West Germany rather than Germany to avoid confusion, but here we are. We use the point system, as always, this wretched point system from Monday Night Football. Five points you get for winning the World Cup, winning the final. Uh, four points for reaching the final, three points for reaching the semi-final. Also three points for if one of your players has won the golden boot or the golden ball. Now, of course, this um, these comparisons between World Cups, between different eras, are very difficult sometimes because of changing formats, of course, no more so than this, of course, with the without the quarterfinals, without the semi-finals here in 1974, of course, without the last 16, because 
the act of getting to the World Cup in 1974 was reaching the last 16. You get two points for reaching the last 16 and the quarterfinal. You also get one point for each group game won, which may split the two. But they may not. We'll find out. 1974. Chile were the first opponents for West Germany in the home soil. In the home soil in 1974. 1-0 they won, that is an extra point there for West Germany, or after the first point. Australia were beaten 3-0, which is another point, whilst East Germany, the huge inter-German, inter-German match, uh, finished 1-0 to the East Germans, which um, in turn was a kind of a blessing in disguise when we when we see the uh, when we see the semi-final group stage opponents, Yugoslavia, Sweden and Poland. Now owing to the format changes. We, uh, we're not going to count each group game from the semi-final group stage. Each game won there for an extra point because that would be harsh. So we've got the reaching of the quarterfinals, two points there for, which is essentially what it is, even though it's semi-finals. Quarterfinals is eight teams left. And obviously the last 16, they're already in the last 16 because they're at the World Cup. So that's an extra two points. So if you're keeping track at home, uh, it's uh, six points so far. And they beat Yugoslavia 2-0, they beat Sweden 4-2, they beat Poland 1-0. And that is an extra three points. And obviously that is for reaching the semifinals. But of course, as we know, no semifinals. This is the semifinals. So formatting differences, let's just give them four points as well on top. Just so we're all sort of aware. And you can't really hamper a team because of the format. That's FIFA's problem, isn't it, really? And the state of football in 1974. And then the Netherlands were next. 2-1 was the scoreline in the final and... Five points you get for winning the World Cup, so congratulations, West Germany. Fast forward 40 years. Portugal were the first victims of Yogi Love's Germany. 4-0, so that's a point there. Ghana were only drawn against it, needed an equaliser late on, so no points for that. One point for a win over USA, which is an extra point, and, of course, two points for reaching the last 16, so if you're keeping track at home, that's four points. Algeria were beaten, albeit after extra time, 2-1 in the last 16. So two points for each in the quarterfinal. Then we get to the nitty-gritty. The huge teams ahead, France 1-0 in the quarterfinals. That's three points. Brazil, famously, 7-1, four points for that. And Argentina, 1-0 in the final. Five points for that, which of course leaves us even, doesn't it? 18 apiece, but... There's no golden ball won by German teams, or West German team, in 1974. Gregor Lato won the golden boot in 74, and James Rodriguez won it in 2014. So therefore, or rather the golden boot, therefore no points are awarded extra. So we've got to now base it on the quality of the team's face, which we'll get into more with the verdicts later on, but let's just run down the teams again. 1974, West Germany beat Chile, Australia, East Germany. I think East Germany can be classed as an upper echelon team because it's a derby as well, which does help. Um, they didn't beat them either. Um, so you got Yugoslavia, Sweden, Poland, three very good teams in the 70s. And the pinnacle, the Netherlands. 2014, Germany beat Portugal, Ghana, USA, Algeria, France, Brazil and Argentina. So you may think they're four of Europe's elite, or rather four of the world's elite there in 2014 with Portugal, France, Brazil, Argentina. France will become something bigger um, than what they were in 2014, still a quite relatively young squad that would then ascend to reach the Euros final and then win the World Cup. Brazil were on home soil and just going off vibes, were without Thiago Silva, were without Neymar, and Argentina, it seemed 
on that somehow, despite not being the better team, that Lionel Messi would lift the World Cup in the Maracanã. And then, obviously, in the groups, Portugal um, was not one of the vintage bottles there. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo's team go out in the group stages. So I would say, now saying that Sweden and Poland in 1974 are probably on a par with Portugal in 2014, I'd say that Germany in 2014 probably faced more good to great teams. France, Brazil, Argentina being three. Germany 1974, though, they faced one of the best teams to ever play football in the Netherlands, 1974. Who are better than Brazil, France and Argentina, who got to the final in 2014? So it's difficult, of course. We'll get to that in due course. Don't you worry about that. But first, we've got to discuss how... Well, we're just going to discuss the history of German football because it's an old German podcast today. So after this short break, we're going to look at how West Germany won the World Cup in 1974, how Germany won it in 2014 and all the little bits in between after this short break. Welcome and sorry. Um, How did they do it? How did Germany ascend to be a world superpower in terms of football? So like Yugoslavia some 40 years on, Germany get punished for their war crimes, which means there's no 1950 World Cup for West Germany. And by the World Cup afterwards, Switzerland in 1954, Sepp Herberger is in charge and West Germany were handed Turkey, Hungary and South Korea. Now, of course, they beat Turkey 4-1 in the first game. Germany were West Germany. I will get that right. They weren't seeded, so they had to play two seeded teams, um, obviously. Then Hungary um, in the second and final game, obviously, because the World Cup format was just a curveball in 1954, apparently. Magical Magyars were among the favourites alongside Uruguay and Brazil, boasted the likes of Nandor Hidiguti, Sandor Coxis, of course, Frank Puskas as well. And they slapped Germany 8-3. And whether or not that is a tactic deliberately deployed by Herberger to put out a weakened side or not, he put it out because the goal difference didn't count for anything. And it wasn't a tiebreaker for one reason or another. So Germany, West Germany knew that Hungary could do whatever they wanted. They could rack up a 50,000 goal to nil win. But West Germany went into the game knowing that they would play the winner of Turkey and South Korea in a playoff um, and and in the knowledge that they would beat them quite easily. Turkey win 7-0 and despite Turkey's goal difference of plus four and Germany's of minus two, of course it's only two group games here for God knows what reason, that means in 2021 Turkey would be through, that's fair. We know that to be true. Um, or maybe in UEFA, Germany, West Germany would be through. And that is also fair, in my opinion. If anything, the head-to-head record is fairer. But here they don't. They play off. Um, I presume that's where the third group stage game that baffles me. Anyway, so West Germany win 7-2. The likes of Hans Schaefer and Max Morlock are back in the goals. Back in the team, really, because it's the first team back. And um, maybe a bit of kidology there from Herberger, as they, as they kind of know. They, they will be in the, the different half of the draw to Hungary. And safe in the knowledge, really, that um, South American teams don't do quite well in Europe. Um, there's only one South American team to win a World Cup in Europe. That was Brazil four years after this. 
So they, they kind of know that they're probably going to meet Hungary because Hungary have Uruguay and Brazil to beat. They do so. West Germany quite fancy themselves against Yugoslavia, beating them 2-0. And then Austria in the semi-final. That ends 6-1. Not the first semi-final to end 6-1 and not the first semi-final to have a winning team score more than six goals in it. More on that later. So this kidology from Sepp Herberger doesn't seem to work because Hungary go 2-0 up inside eight minutes in Bern. But 10 minutes later, it's 2-2. Imagine if this final was now, it would be all going crazy. Max Morlock and Helmut Rahn make it 2-2. And then the wet burn turf is used against Hungary. It's used at West Germany's advantage because they had a manufacturer by the name of Adi Dassler, of course. You may know him for that guy who makes your Beckenbauers or Sambas or whatever (laughs) choice of your Adi Dassler. You wear, I for one, I own a pair of Munkens, which is quite apt to the... So he puts longer studs on the on the West German boots at half time. West Germany adapt to the pitch more. Helmut Rahn scores a third and a half injured Frank Puskas, which is key as well, gets one disallowed, potentially um, unfortunately ruled out there um, for offside. And West Germany win 3-2. They are champions of the world for the very first time and as such qualify automatically for Sweden. Red hot favourites top their group featuring a strong Czechoslovakia who finished second. Rahn and Schaefer, both important from uh, four years prior, they returned. Rahn scores six, tied with a, a little-known Brazilian, you may know him now, um, he's called Pele. And then they reach the semi-finals, but go out late on to the hosts in Gothenburg with a very, very late winner to Sweden. And then West Germany would finish fourth, shipping six to France, four of which coming from just Fontaine, um, who would score 13 goals in that World Cup. Another late goal season's off in 1962, this time in a in a 1954 repeat of the quarter final, losing 1-0 to Yugoslavia. And we all know what happened in 1966, don't we? West Germany get to the final, beating Uruguay and Soviet Union, convincingly two of the greatest teams of the time. Um, but losing to host England, of course, and whether or not um whether or not the win was justified. Jeff Hurst's goal, second goal, definitely wasn't over the line, was it? Um, but regardless, who cares? Not me. Um, and he makes it 4-2 late on as well. Uh, some people were on the pitch. Um, it was over England's World Cup four years later because of West Germany. And they have one hell of a team by 1970. They were legendary by a Munich trio of Sepp Meyer in net, Franz Beckenbauer, in defence, stroke midfield, of course, as well. And Gerd Muller, of course. Gerd Muller scores a simply daft 10 goals in the World Cup, the final two of which come against Italy in a semi-final. You may know it now as the game of the century. 4-3, West Germany won it in extra time against the European champions in Italy. Um, lost it, rather, um, uh, against the European champions Italy. And Karl-Heinz Leninger, um, saved the game on 92nd minute to take it to extra time which is where Muller scores his um, two in extra time but Gianni Rivera subbed on scores a winner on the 111th minute Italy go on to lose to the greatest Brazil team ever um, unable to win the double and if you don't believe they're the greatest Brazil team ever check out a head-to-head we did a few weeks ago there you go <laughs> and the Euros that um, Italy won 1968 was the first one that West Germany had attempted to qualify for after not entering the first two but a shocking nil-nil against Albania stopped them from qualifying would you believe it four years on though they had no such hardship in the European Championships beginning a relentless domination 1972 they would thrash the Soviet Union 3-0 in the European Championships Gerd Muller was at it again top scoring again and Gerd Muller 
alongside his Bayern pals, of course, were the focal point for the hosts West Germany in 1974. Let's get stuck in. They'd drawn East Germany in a potentially spicy final encounter. Um, but before then, they had the the, the, the the easier tasks of Chile and Australia. They were expected to be beaten. They were so 1-0 and 3-0 to confirm their place in the semi-final group stages. Before their less well-off neighbours stunned them in Hamburg, Jürgen Sparwasser with the late winning goal. Um, and to be fair, losing the game was a saving grace, really. They would avoid Brazil, Argentina, the Netherlands, which is one hell of a group, a group you do not want to fall into. Brazil, the previous champions, Netherlands, the, the, the current finalists, Argentina, the incumbent champions in 1978. So looking out on Poland, Sweden, Yugoslavia in the next phase was um, preferable to say the least. Another player we've not mentioned, Paul Breitner. He was in the goals frequently. He scored the winning goal in the group stage against Chile, the first against Yugoslavia in the second phase. Um, and of course, he would score in the final as well because they were in the final after Sweden's win, Ralph Edstrom scored in the 24th minute, but West Germany would pull it back. A crazy three minutes makes the game 2-2 after Wolfgang Overath and Rainer Bonhoff both score and Roland Sandberg levels it up. But West Germany, inevitable as ever, walk away winners setting up a final day showdown with Poland. Jürgen Grabowski and Uli Hoeneß score late on for West Germany. Poland weren't any mugs by anyone's standards, really. They'd done England to qualify. If you listen to the head to the games, great games podcast a few weeks back, we covered England versus Poland from 1973. They had the likes of Lato, Domaski, Tomaszewski, Kasperzak. The latter were top scorer in the championships, but like Muller and Germany of 1970, wouldn't win the tournament. Gerd Muller scoring the winning goal late on, and because of goal difference, really, Germany only needed a point anyway. They wouldn't, they wouldn't put off meeting the Netherlands for much longer. They had to face the best team in the tournament at some point if they were to win it, and of course, the final was that. They had the harshest of final starts, though probably the worst final start in World Cup history, not touching the ball until. Until Setmeyer had to dig it out of his net, Johan Neskin scoring a second-minute penalty, you may remember. Unfortunately, instead of taking the game to West Germany and winning it fairly and and just blitzing them as, as their talent, their ability, their cohesion, their tactics sort of demanded, they went for humiliation rather than victory and in going for that, only got humiliated themselves, West Germany keeping their car and by halftime they'd overturn that lead. Paul Breitner scoring his most important of the three World Cup goals with a penalty and Gerd Muller with a scuffed winning goal before the halftime mark. West Germany remained res- resolute, they grind the Netherlands down into becoming a long ball team and, and there really Germany were, were very comfortable. Now two-time champions. It wasn't long before West Germany were in the final again. Two years on, Czechoslovakia in Yugoslavia and they got taken to penalties though, of course. It would be Antonin Penenka with the famous penalty in the Euro 1976 final and Czechoslovakia were crowned champions, but they would rebound four years on, comfortably beating Belgium and in between, they would just about get through to the second phase of the 1978 World Cup. 0-0 draws against Poland and Tunisia squeaking them through. Um, but with enough of a win against Mexico, 6-0 in the build-up, um, that was um, that was enough to qualify West Germany for the for the semi-final group phase. Here, though, in Argentina, um, they, w- they would draw to Italy and the Netherlands. So 
mean their loss against Austria didn't matter too much. Uh, they were effectively out anyway, so... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kind of a disappointing follow-up to to 1974 as holders, but they would play Austria quite famously four years on in the 1982 World Cup, beating them 1-0 this time. But without any glory attached to it, this game was, of course, labelled the disgrace of Gijon after, of course, after... Algeria beat them, beat West Germany in the first game and were on course to qualify, but West Germany and Austria conspired to create a scoreline that was beneficial for both and eliminated Algeria, no matter what they did against Chile. And of course, that happened more in Algeria in 2014. This was a decent enough team in 1982, spearheaded by Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Paul Breitner. And they hold England, they eliminate Spain and they had to see... Wait and see what England could do against Spain in the final group stage. And obviously, this being England, they couldn't do much. Um, Germany would take part in another semi-final, another superb semi-final as well. One of the one of the games of the World Cup um, against France, Battiston versus Schumacher. Penalties, lots of goals in extra time. Of course, West Germany beat France because that is just what they did in the World Cup. They would um, they would do that in 1986 as well. But the food chain of really teams in the World Cup would go France, then Germany. And at the top, the team that always seemed to have Germany's number was Italy. West Germany, of course, would be sunk by Italy in the final of 1982, sunk by the likes of Paolo Rossi, Marco Tardelli. And West Germany took a fairly young team to France for Euro 84. You've got Rudy Volley, you've got Klaus Olofs, Andy Bremer, Lothar Matthäus, of course. And they were all set to qualify for the semi-finals. They needed just a point from Spain in the final group game to top the group. Portugal had won late versus Romania via Nene's goal. Spain did likewise via Makeda. And West Germany were out in the group. That was the first time that had ever happened to West Germany. They translated three European Championship finals between 1972 to 1980 to three World Cup finals, 82 to 1990. But for me, they had to scrape all of their points for the 1986 group stage. Klaus Olof saves a point late on in the day against Uruguay. They score the winner. He scores the winner late on to overturn a win against Scotland. But to be fair, finishing second for West Germany, as it did in 1974, give them an easier path. It was... Lothar Mateus scoring a late goal against Morocco. It was penalties needed against Mexico. So the, the 1986 squad is kind of looked back on fairly fondly because they reached the final, of course, beating European champions France, who were potentially favourites to beat them. 
but they kind of scraped through and muddled through here. Um, of course, France versus Germany in the World Cup almost always means Germany win. Uh, did so in 2014 as well. We'll get onto that. Um, but in the final, of course, it was Maradona's tournament. It was Argentina's tournament. And it was the same final would be played out four years later after West Germany lost at home in a European Championship semi-final in Hamburg, that pesky Hamburg, um, to the Netherlands, where Netherlands, of course, won Euro 88. This time in the World Cup final, four years on, Argentina again, um, they were successful owing to Andy Bremer's late penalty, of course coming off the back of a penalty shootout winning the semi-finals but who did the beat I can't remember Germany would almost achieve the double again the double double from 72 to 74 and 90 to 92 but fell in the final of Euro 92 surprisingly as well to Denmark who weren't even earmarked to be in the tournament John Jensen and Kim Vilfort scoring the winners for the Danes they would suffer shocking eliminations really in the three of the next four tournaments as the sort of the talent pool for Germany has kind of dried up. The only one they didn't, of course, they became European champions in, and that was in the third time, that was 1996. Whoever they beat in the semi-final of Euro 96, I can't remember the life of me. And then Oliver Bierhoff scored the golden goal against Czech, Czech Republic. And the humiliating exits then they came at the hands of Bulgaria via Haristos Stoichkov and Vladimir Lechkov in the 1994 World Cup quarter-final. Then via the hands of Croatia via Robert Jani. Goran Valhavich and Davos Suka in 1998's quarterfinal and even lost to England in Euro 2000 and went out of the tournament winless out of the groups. There was such little talent coming through that they even attempted to naturalise Sean Dundee, so that tells you where they were at the turn of the century. Thankfully, they had another plan. They had a plan to ramp up the quality of football in Germany to put in better coaches, better schools, more coaches, more schools, it put in infinitely more pitches and then you reap the rewards a decade on. First, Germany had to suffer the humiliation of a 5-1 defeat to England in uh, World Cup qualifying for 2002, qualifying only via the playoffs and somehow by hook or by crook or by a kind of easy path to the final featuring Paraguay, USA and South Korea. They reached the final. Oliver Kahn, Golden Ball winner. Michael Ballack, who arguably could have won the Golden Ball as well. They only lose out to the irresistible Brazil. And of course, at the peak of his powers, Ronaldo. But two years on, 2004 was a mirror image to 2000 group stage elimination, winless, and even drew to Latvia. Latvia. Germany then had good tournaments, though they hosted in 2006, of course. Miroslav Klose winning the Golden Boot in that one, but with um, Italy eliminating them in the semi-finals. But there were there were positives around this. Uh, Jürgen Klinsmann was the manager. Now he would be subbed out for Jürgen Löw, his assistant. Um, the positives, though, um, they were Bastian Schweinsteiger, Philipp Lahm, Per Mertesacker, Lutus, Lukas Podolski, a young throng of players coming through that uh, ended up all playing at Euro 2008 and reaching the final, despite a loss in the group stages to Croatia, but they would lose, of course, to Spain. Bricks just kept being added into the wall and added into what was a very, very young 2010 World Cup team, to the point where when they play England in the last 16, I don't know if his book is biased for it being an England game, England were made favourites. We've got Manuel Neuer in goal, we've got Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng in defence. We've got Tony Kroos, Meza Ozil, Sammy Kadir in midfield, Thomas Muller up front. Muller would joint top score. And it, it was a good blend between the lads we just mentioned now. Philip Lahm, Mertesacker, Podolski, Schweinsteiger, who are now at their peak and more experienced. 
Of course, Miroslav Klose as well was in there, obviously scoring as he often did in a World Cup. So they, they, they do, they beat England, of course they beat England. Um, goes without saying really, doesn't it? It's knockout stage football until 2021. Um, and then they obliterate Argentina, but fall to Spain again. So the, these eliminations to Spain at Euro 2008, World Cup 2010, they're, they, they're of an acceptable nature, let's be honest. They're perhaps the greatest national team ever. And in 2012, they were my favourites to win. Right from the start, Germany, they're going to win Euro 2012. But they couldn't even get to Spain in the final this time, losing to Mario Balotelli's double and Italy in the semi-final. Now we get to 2014. Those youngsters from 2010 are now all in their peak. And you can add the likes of Squadron Mustafi, Andres Schurlet, Julian Draxler, Mario Goetze as well. That last one's kind of significant. To seemingly a new generation, they dealt a very, very tough group despite being seeded Portugal, USA, Ghana. You may think it's probably the group of death alongside um, Group D, which was England, Italy, Costa Rica, Uruguay, but we don't talk about that one. Uh, they eliminated all fear, really, in the first match day, slapping Portugal 4 0. Thomas Muller scoring a hat trick, and from then on, you know, Thomas Muller is going to be one of these who breaks the uh, World Cup goals record, isn't he? But. Hold on just a second. Um, Portugal was shambolic, really. They were down to 10 after a quite typical Pepe red card. Uh, we would see Sterner tests, surely. And um, for eight minutes in Fortaleza in the following game, Ghana led Germany 2-1. Closer, now one of the older squad members in his final World Cup, scored his first goal of the tournament. And now he was on for the most goals in World Cup history. More on that in a minute. Uh, Thomas Muller was on for another brilliant World Cup, of course, adding his ninth goal in the World Cup overall. And this was the winner in the third match against America, where a point was all it needed to top the group. Uh, did so America go into the to go into the knockout phase with Germany? Uh, Germany facing Algeria, USA against Port, uh, Belgium. Belgium, of course, Belgium. Um, and I told you Algeria would be back <laughs> in time. In time, they finally made the uh, finally made the knockout phase. Now. Germany played both 4-2-3-1 and 4-3-3, although probably more favoured a 4-2-3-1 with Thomas Muller in there, didn't they? And this was because Philipp Lahm had reinvented himself under Pep Guardiola at Bayern Munich as a midfielder. He played as a six behind Tony Kroos, Bastian Schweinsteiger, the usual three in a 4-3-3. Kadira would come in as well, potentially sometimes a bit further up. Meza Ozil was in there, of course, as well. You've got Thomas Muller, Miroslav Klose, Mario Goetze. More on him in a minute. Uh, and in a 4-2-3-1, you could have any one of those really as a number 10. Ozil would play left. Sometimes Muller would play right. More in, inverted, inside forwards, inverted wingers, those types of deals. And of course, closer up front on his own. And it, they used both of these sort of, sort of systems in wins over Algeria that went all the way, all the way to uh, extra time on France in the quarterfinals, which is a lot simpler of a, uh, of a quarterfinal win. Algeria were very, very stubborn, perhaps still smarting over that loss in 1982. Germany needing extra time and late goals there from uh, Andre Schürrle. Mats Hummels would score his second of the tournament against France. And it confirmed that Germany had broken a record along the way. That's four World Cup semi-finals now in a row. 2002, 2006, 2010, 2014, if you were thinking. Then we go to Belo Horizonte. The game, the game we all know, the game really that sort of popularises this Germany team, puts them to within potentially a discussion um, compared with the 1974 team. Brazil. Germany. 7-1, of course. Miroslav Klose opens up 
Thomas Muller scores, opens up scoring in the 11th minute. Miroslav Klose breaks Ronaldo's all-time scoring record 12 minutes later. And then, of course, we have Thiago Silva injured, uh, suspended, Neymar injured. And then the floodgates open. Tony Kroos, 24th minute. Tony Kroos, 26th minute. Sammy Kadira, 29th minute. Schoolboy defending a goal conceded right from the kickoff. That is something that happens in five sides up and down the country every night, doesn't it? Andre Sherlwood had a sixth and a seventh in the second half um, when most of the German team had stopped playing out of um, out of respect, really. Um, they were crying Brazilians in the stands. 25 minutes in, they knew it had gone, really, after 24 minutes. And yeah, I mean, I would add that it, it was pretty much gone after Close's goal as well. So Brazil were utterly obliterated on a par with the Maracanazo in 1950, if not worse. Um, maybe the fact that it was a final in 1950 tips it over the edge. Who knows? Um, they did miss Neymar. Um, I don't think he would have done anything to stop this. Thiago Silva was a bigger miss. And again, I don't think he would have done anything to stop this, despite being one of the best central defenders of his time. I and would have obviously David David Luiz was the captain. He was the the man at the centre half, and we all know he's chaotic at the best of times. But I still think Brazil were on for a hiding in this game. They'd squeak through against Chile undeservingly for me. Colombia they got a bit better, um, but again, even that was a close contest. I, Germany they would have thrashed them either way. I, I think even a fully fit Brazil and a kind of off colour Germany that have still won. They move on to Maracanã. The Maracanã. Tetchi finals, they often are really. Um, it's Germany, Argentina. Higuain thinks he's scored. He'd not. That's probably the closest Argentina get. Then, of course, that man who we've kept referencing, Mario Goetze. Seven minutes on the clock remaining. Scores the goal in extra time. Messi doesn't win his, goal, his World Cup. Germany win theirs. And we have a World Cup winner in Germany in 2014 for the fourth time now. We'll be back to decide who is the better of the German teams, 2014 or 1974, with the verdict after this short break. Welcome back. So we we discussed the opposition at the top of the show, and I think that is crucial. I think that's one of the only ways we can kind of sort of sort of rank these teams. Uh, now, Germany in 2014 had a harder group. That's definite. They may not have had the the sort of the derby with East Germany or anything like that kind of rivalry in the group, but the quality of the opponents, obviously Chile and Australia in 1974, weren't as good as the eliminated teams from 2014, Portugal and Ghana. So 2014 takes it on that, but then you've got, you do have France, Brazil, Argentina. Now, Brazil... I don't think we're up to much, really. Argentina, we're okay. France, we're okay. We know France would go on to bigger and better things. For the West German team of 1974, I do believe that Sweden and Poland were on a par with Portugal in 2014. And in a higher stakes group, I think that counts for a bit more. But I cannot look past the fact that they beat the best football team to never win the World Cup in the Netherlands in 1974. I still believe that. Um, if you don't know, check out the headset we did have a lot of plug-in today. Netherlands 1974 versus Brazil 1982, the two best teams not to win a World Cup. Brazil 82 team, second. Netherlands 74 team, first. And um, the Germans beat them in the final, and I think they have to take it on the strength of the opponents there. 
It was much better opposition than Germany and Argentina in 2014. 2014, you've got to say they played overall better teams, more more good to great teams, but 1974 played the best, the absolute best. They played three great teams, Sweden, Poland and the Netherlands, but the Netherlands were just far and away the better. Now we go on to players. Now, this is more tricky. I think 1974, they do have, I think you've got to to boil it down to Beckenbauer and Muller. Of course, in 2014, I don't think... I don't think Germany have that generational talent. It's more a team ethos. It's more a lot of very, 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 very good players. Lam, Closer, Ozil, Muller, Kroos, etc. etc. I could go on. Hummels. But 1974 has two of the greatest players to ever play a spot. Three if you count at Meyer, arguably. And then even then you've got Uli Hernes, you've got you've got Paul Breitner in there as well, which deserve a mention and I think based on the players I think again 1974 have to shade it and that is my decision I've reached my verdict quite early on I think 1974 maybe it's through the eyes of nostalgia but the to even get to a world cup in that that time was difficult as it was Germany in 1974 they had to beat better opponents they had better players at their disposal 2014 were fairly fairly flexible in their tactical approach, but I don't think it's enough to sway my decision here. I think West Germany 1974 take this just, but it's based on who they beat. And I think there's a lot better teams in 1974 for West Germany than there were for them 40 years on. So that is my decision. Our final head-to-head podcast of the year is a bit of a special one. We've not done one like this before. It's a three-way triple threat so to speak, Steven Gerrard uh, versus Paul Scholes versus Frank Lampard. You've probably been waiting for that one. Um, I've been putting it off for enough time now. <laughs> maybe maybe next Christmas we'll get Messi versus Ronaldo. Who knows? Um, anyway, that'll be the episode next week. Thank you very much for listening and supporting the channel throughout the year. Thank you very much. If you don't listen from me, hear from me before. Have a good Christmas. But until then, silly. Podcast Network.